Hey everybody, it's Terrell Cummings, and this is Season 2, Episode 2 of the Always Relevant Podcast. Today, we're talking about goat yoga, uh, the college football landscape, specifically Michigan and Ohio State, uh, how Texas and Oklahoma are moving to the SEC, uh, the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 merger, and the thoughts of that, and how it's going to change the college football landscape. Uh, players being able to earn money from their likeness and how that's going to change everything for college athletics. Um, we have some rapid fire topics going on. As always, we have Get Real with Dane and Mess With Your Money with Rail. So we're excited. We hope you are too. And um, here we go. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody. It's Terrell Cummings. This is episode two of season two of the Always Relevant Podcast. We have Dane DeMail on the line. Dane, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Good to be back again. Let's do it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Had a good time last week. I think people seem to enjoy what we had to say. You know, we're just out here acting the fool, but that's all right. So um, We got the college edition this week. We always like that. We do that. We do the college edition. It, it should be interesting. I'm interested to see uh, what you have to say about it. So uh, I guess we'll start off the show like we always do, man. We're going to start off with a segment, How Are You and How Are You Really? So I'm going to kick it off. How am I? I'm doing okay. I'm, you're probably hearing me say it every week. I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. But how am I really? I really am feeling that way. Last week, I was more tired. This weekend, I was able to get some sleep. That helped. Uh, able to get some work done, so that also helped as well. So a little bit less stressed than normal. But uh, overall, I have no complaints. I'm good. I'm just hanging out. I'm drinking a Sprite right now. Um, probably should have another beverage with me, but it's okay. It's a Monday. So, um no, we're doing all right. But uh, yeah, Dane, back to you, man. How are you? How are you really? Well, how I am, I am good. Uh, even though the Indians are definitely out of it, I know we'll touch on that later, but uh, uh, it was nice to see them in the Little League World Series last night uh, playing in Williamsport, PA, you know, about two hours from me uh, yeah. and taking down the Angels three straight games. The only thing I'd like to do is call out ESPN for not recognizing the great effort of the Indians and just talking about an Angels team that's going nowhere fast. And uh, <laughs> But other than that, I'm very happy with the way the Indians played. Those uniforms were fire. I don't know if you've seen those uniforms, the Great Lakes. Yeah. The Ohio yeah. on the hat. Yeah, it was good. So good for the Indians, man. I love, I love the way they played. Nice shot by Rosario. Uh, Big-time plays. How am I really? A lot of anxiety, man. It's two weeks till the NFL season starts. And you know me as a Browns fan, man. It's just you just think every year you think it's going to be the year and then stupid stuff happens. So this year, you know, they're saying they got the most talented team, but the anxiety runs high. So you know what I uh, decided to do? What's that? So my girlfriend told me about this goat yoga thing going on in two weeks on September 5th. And I told her, you got one more Sunday with me till football season starts. So. You know, what we got to do? You know, I need to relax. You know what I mean? Because it's about to get serious. Chiefs, you know, Chiefs, 425 national television. Usually right. doesn't pan out too well for Cleveland fans, although we all think this year is going to be different. So we're going to go down to this place and we're going to yoga with the goats to you lower my goat? anxiety for the season and relax a little bit. Goat yoga. So first of all, have you even ever done yoga in your life? No, never done yoga that once in my life. So do you consider yourself, you know, flexible, stretchable, pliable, anything like that? No, not at all. No, okay. I don't even like to, it's hard to get off the chair. So <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting to uh to uh 
yeah, I don't know. We'll see what I'm, happens. I'm guessing it'll be in, in an outdoor environment. Yeah, it's at some farm. I guess it's good for stress. It's good for anxiety. And you know, like I said, I'm feeling it. I'm going to the beach this weekend for a couple of days, Dewey Beach, Delaware, hanging out, you know, uh, doing the beach thing here last weekend, you know, for the summer, then going to doing the goat thing, trying to get ready for that first weekend of real football. I mean, I've, I've heard of goat yoga. You know what I mean? I just, uh, I've never actually seen it in practice. So that'll be interesting. You should definitely have video of that because I want to see first of all doing yoga. Yes, yeah, so I think I'm going to go down there to the goats. I'm going to dress in my new Browns 75th anniversary jersey. Oh, you're going to wear the new jersey down there? Yeah, I'm going to wear the new jersey and bless it with some good juju, some good goat juju, yoga goat, <laughs> relaxation, and get ready for the season because, you know, like I said, you know, I'm still a Browns fan. Always going to be skeptical till they prove right. me otherwise. I mean, I guess I guess Browns fans will go through whatever it takes to try to win a Super Bowl as the Browns. Well, so, you know me. I, I don't even like – you know me. I don't like going outside. And I always told you my idea of camping is actually the Hilton. That's about the only camping I like to do. So, <laughs> going to a farm, right? You know, right. I'm pulling out all stops for a good season this year. You're going to the farm, you're roughing it, and you're doing goat yoga. Oxymoron. I can't wait to, to hear about it. I can't wait to see it after what September 5th. That's gonna be super interesting. September 5th weekend, last last Sunday before real football starts. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. Yep. No, that's cool. I can't wait to hear about that for sure. Dane doing goat yoga. I can only imagine me holding around a, a goat like your little your little <laughs> dog that you have there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if it helps me relax. I got you. I got you. All right. Well, hey, well, I, I can't wait to hear about it. It's going to be awesome to, to hear about it and see pictures from it. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, Lee's Adult Beverage of the Week. We actually talked to Lee about that. He's going to start getting us some of those starting next episode. So we look forward to that. We want to keep everybody um, happy and hydrated. And now that summer's winding down and we're starting the fall, getting into the football season, and there's lots of great beverages that go well with uh, some good tailgating for football whatever it's for you want to watch. So um, we look forward to that. That's coming soon. And we just want to get into the first segment. We're just talking about just all, overall the college football landscape and specifically Michigan and Ohio State. I know you have yeah, your baby. thoughts. Dane's up on Ohio State. I'm not repping Michigan right now, but anybody knows me knows I'm a diehard Michigan fan to the core. And, um, and yeah, I just want to hear your thoughts. I guess we'll start with Ohio State because that's the obvious. Well, I'd say God bless you for being a Michigan fan, but because you're a Michigan fan, I don't want you, I don't want anybody blessing you. But uh, so we have approximately 95 days, seven hours, 16 minutes, and 40 seconds till the game. Got that running on my laptop here uh, <laughs> to, to see, you know, just getting excited for that one. Although here's the thing, the goat yoga has nothing to do with Ohio State because I'm in complete relaxation about Ohio State-Michigan game. Don't need no goat yoga for that one. <laughs> so tell me this year. Let, I'm going to let you talk on this segment because there's no reason for me to say anything. Tell me why why Michigan is going to actually – I'll even say not even say when. How are they going to be competitive this year? And I, I give you the floor. <laughs> That's going to be tough because Michigan, they're not over the past decade – or almost two, they really haven't given me a lot of reasons to go, like, yes, this is what they can do. I think there have been uh, a couple years that have gone by where I think Michigan should have been more competitive than what they were. They've been lacking at the quarterback position. 
I uh, don't understand Shea Patterson from before. I didn't understand Joe Milton last year. Yes, Joe Milton was tall, and he has a cannon for an arm, but if you watch him play, anybody who plays ball could tell. He can't read defenses. He has to only look at one side of the field, and he has no touch when he throws the ball. He can only throw, he can only throw it 95 miles an hour on a line. He, he has problems throwing the deep ball, has no touch on it. He's going to overthrow his receivers all the time, and – he just doesn't have it. He has a key, I mean, he has a great arm. I'll give him that. And he's great size, like 6'5, 6'6, 240 some pounds, runs like a 4'5, 40. He has all of that, but can't harness that anything. That's a problem. And so, like, if they would have the kid, the K McNamara that came in probably halfway through the season last year, if they had him starting at the beginning of the year, their record, I, I fully believe that the record would have been better than what it was just by having him in the ballgame. I think that he was a complete difference maker. Uh, Second of all, their defense, I think the defense could have been okay. They're playing a lot of young DBs, which like a lot of teams do that, but they're also putting them out on the islands still. I don't know why they kept doing that to them because let's face it right now, they're defensive backs. They're athletic, but they're not like Ohio State athletic as of right now. And so like, I think the coaches have to do something to help put their young players in better positions to potentially be successful. Uh, don't know what that is, it's just, but to me, it's not putting them out there on an island man coverage for them to potentially be exposed on a regular basis, especially when teams before that had already exposed them. So, you know, if you knew receivers from other teams before that already exposed them, that Ohio State receiver is going to get them even worse. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a rivalry game, so you never really know. Um, oh, I, I know. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know. Everybody else knows. I know. The, poll, the polls that we took, I, we took polls on – Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter was 100% that there is no chance that Michigan would even potentially upset Ohio State. On Facebook, it was also unanimous that it was 100% that there's no way that um, that Michigan had a chance against Ohio State. On Instagram, there were, it was about 25% of the votes said that they had a chance. They had a chance. And so they have to do, I think, in order to do that, Harbaugh's going to have to go old school. You're not going to try to outscore Ohio State. He needs to – and I only know if he can do this. You know, they have a lot of offensive linemen in the NFL, but they need to control the ball. They, they may not just sit there and pound it down the field and throw it through your tight end, but they need to keep Ohio State's offense off the field. They need to keep momentum to a minimum and control the ball, run the ball, short pass plays down the field, and keep their offense off the field. Don't let them score quick, and you got to slow the game down. Harbaugh did that at Stanford. That's what he went for. They ran two tight ends. I'm not saying run two tight ends at Michigan because their offensive linemen, have, to me, haven't been good enough to do that, at least not when they're at Michigan. Now, when they go to the pros, different story. For some reason, they flourish in the great players. So part of that, to me, is coaching. But, like I said, that's a whole lot of other conversations to be had. So, Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I think Ohio State showed some weakness in uh, run defense. Uh, teams have definitely been able to run the ball on them. I think Alabama showed that a little bit, uh, even Clemson to a certain extent, but, uh, it's a matter of talent. It's a matter of speed. Uh, Michigan's just got to improve its recruiting plain and simple. Uh, I don't think Harbaugh's a bad coach. I don't even think he's a bad motivator. Uh, I think he does wear on teams and that's why he didn't last in the NFL. He's one of them quick turnaround rah-rah guys and get things turned around quick, but I think he wears on you. And he may be wearing his welcome out in Michigan. Now, it's different dealing with college kids, especially when you're rotating people in and out every year, right? 
But I just think, and we've talked about this, if they did get rid of Harbaugh, what direction did it go? We'll talk about that another time. But I think that's right. one of the things saving his job is where do you go from there, right? If he can't do it, who's going to do it, right? No, no, yeah, and I, I agree 100%. There's not like a young coach coming up the ranks, and I've seen those like, man, I want them to go to Michigan. Maybe Iowa State's coach. I can't remember his name right now. I do like you him. Freeze, he's, baby. Hugh Freeze Hugh from Freeze, Liberty. That's what Michigan's you need. Gonna, Michigan's not going to hire a coach that has that kind of potential drama that's still sitting out there. How you bad know, do you so want to win? I'll leave it at that. that that's like saying me saying to bring up um, uh, Lane, Lane Kiffin. Kiffin. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's been successful wherever he's gone, but he's also rubbed people, everybody the wrong way wherever he's been to. So not doing that, not bringing less miles. Don't know what they're going to do about it yet, but – Women, I think Michigan's starting to fall into is the same trap that Notre Dame fell into, you know, in the early to mid 2000s, where it's like, all right, kids are just going to come here because it's Notre Dame. Everybody loves Notre Dame. The aura of Notre Dame, like, it's just not there like it used to. Kids, first of all, they don't want to necessarily be in the cold all the time unless they grew up up there. So a lot of times, us in the Midwest, we're used to being cold, you know. But they're trying to recruit all these Florida kids and these Texas kids. They don't want that. But I'm going to tell you why this is changing here in a little bit when we get to our segment on paying college athletes getting paid. The game <laughs> is going to change. Let that's me tell probably, you. That's probably true. But one thing that Michigan definitely needs to do that where everything has turned since early 2000 when Trestle got there is he took over and he recruited Ohio. And where Michigan was coming in dipping and getting players from Cleveland and Columbus or whatever, they're not able to do that as much as what they used to. Look, oh, they're not the even able to keep their they're, they're not even able to keep their best players. Yeah, isn't like Masters from Michigan? I think wasn't so. he from Michigan? Yeah. So yeah, yeah they're going to have to keep their best players. And I'll tell yeah. you what, here's one thing of why you don't go to Michigan right now. Real quick, Donovan Peoples Jones, right? Uh, who was it said uh, best guy you ever seen in high school football? Urban Meyer down there in Jacksonville said last second, he decided to stay home in Michigan. He fell to the sixth round to the Browns, right? You're telling me if a dude that talented went to Ohio state where they're putting up them kind of numbers and they can throw the ball and he can show off his athleticism going to Michigan costs that boy money, lots of money. And that's what I would be selling recruits right now too, because there's no way Donovan people's Jones that that talent, should have been a six-round pick. But when you play for a team that doesn't score points, you fall in the sixth round and you don't get paid. The thing is, I believe so, they could score points, but they made, they made the wrong picks at quarterback completely. And I'm just a – I'm an armchair coach, and I can see that. It's not hard to see. Like, we see, like, uh, um, McCaffrey go on the field when he was still there, that he was being more special than Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson can't even make, like, normal throws. Like he has to be, he could be a, a, he could be an average college quarterback. That's it. Like he has to have big windows to throw the ball into. He's not going to throw anybody open. You know, he, like I said, he's athletic enough to do something with his legs, but nothing special, nothing spectacular. Nothing's going to help Donovan Peoples Jones and his draft stock. You know, they had Donovan Peoples Jones, they had Terry Black, and they had, um, I forget the guy's name right off the top of my head. He sat out last season. They had three top tier receivers. And guarantee two of them are in the NFL right now. And obviously, see Donald Peoples Jones, he's making plays. Like they are quality players, and there's no reason they should have. But if he could have showed off the kind of talent he is during his college career, like he could have at a team like Ohio State, 
that boy doesn't get doesn't come even close to lasting the sixth round. That's, that's so, no, I agree. That's probably true. That's so we got to move on. I know we got to move on. So we got 95 days, seven hours, seven minutes, 30 seconds till the game. We'll hey, be talking I'm more praying. about it until we get there. I'm praying. Right. I'll, I'll I'll have some arguments as they come up. You go ahead and tell your Ohio State. All my friends in Ohio, where I live, keep telling Ohio State. I'll keep telling Michigan. Don't worry about it. It'll be interesting. <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's a robbery. They'll play hard. We'll see what's good. And um, hopefully the smarter quarterback play will help them out a little bit. A little more experience under the belt. So I'm excited to see what happens this year. See, no COVID this year. Teams are getting to practice. So we'll see. Uh, that's what they say. That's what they say. We'll see what's good. Up next, we're talking about Texas and Oklahoma. They're leaving the Big 12. They said peace. And they're going to the SEC. I don't know if that's I mean, I don't know if that's good for Texas because Texas was barely winning in the Big 12. So now they're going to go and be a doormat in the SEC. I don't know if it's going to be like that or not. They better, you know, Steve Sarkeesian better step up his recruiting and step up their game so they can play with the big boys. But they're going to go to the SEC. They're going to get paid. They're going to get paid anyway, and the Big 12 is kind of out of luck. So One thing on Sarkeesian is he has to have an excellent year at Texas this year before they go to the SEC. And I think, what is it, two more years, right? Big 12 next year too, right? When's the, when do they so. enter? So, so he better start off really good if he likes his job, right? right. Uh, there's no reason Texas should be in the situation they're in. That coach they just had was terrible, all right? He uh, came from Ohio State. Yeah, he came from Ohio State, but, you know, he uh, burned a lot of bridges. You know, right. remember all the cameras on him at Houston? He thought he was big time getting on the private jet and leaving his players in Houston. and. Right. He's supposedly the guy who talked about Earl Bruce's nephew and the whole yeah. incident yeah. with that. So this is a bad guy. So Texas has made some bad calls, right? They hired Strong. I think Strong's a good recruiter and a good coach, but he went to Texas, and that's not his area. His area is Florida. Florida and that's right. why he's and and that's why he's with Urban Meyer right now in Florida. I don't know if you knew he was one of his assistants. I didn't, I didn't know that. No. Yeah. Yep, so he's there. So I, I just think Texas has made I'm no I don't even think Sarkeesian's the right call. He's a West Coast guy, right? From what I understand. He spent uh, one year to, in Alabama. He's still trying to rehab his, his image for when he was at USC, had that job that he had to go and check into um alcohol clinic because he was drunk at practice all the time. Yeah. So the fact he even has a big time division one coach is you know, coaching job is saying something. It that is they, that they believe in him and how far he's come. Um, because I thought before I thought he was a great coach. He did well at Washington, he was doing well at USC, and he was drunk all the time. You hit the nail. I'm not trying to be funny about it, but you hit the nail on the head. Sarkeesian is a great coach, but is he going to be able to recruit the players to compete in the SEC? College is all about recruiting, man. It it really is. So I get those Texas kids to believe that Texas is the only school in Texas. So Baylor's finally falling off. Texas Tech is not what they what they once were. It's Texas and Texas A&M. Oh, yeah, there's TCU, but TCU is in the big TCU is done. TCU is done. Those glory days are over. Take the statue down to that coach at the stadium. It's over. So (laughs) the uh, one thing to bring up about Texas, too, is Texas schools aren't even keeping their best players. The top recruit in the nation this year is enrolling in Ohio State here in the spring. That Ewers, I think that's how you say his name, right? Ewers, that quarterback, top recruit in the nation. It's going to Ohio State. Right. So, right. you know, Texas, how does Texas let a guy like that go? How does a guy like that go to Ohio State? Right. That They got big problems there. I think it's I think it's solvable. I mean, it's one of the top programs of all time. 
Texas I mean, is is a top job. I mean, it started going downhill when Matt Brown was there. I don't know if it's just entitlement or whatever. Like, I don't know, like how to really word it or whatever it is. And they just haven't been able to bounce back from it at all. And other coaches around them took advantage of it. And you know, you can't you can't uh, can't beat wins if other teams are winning and Texas isn't. Kids aren't going to go there because it loses the mystique. You got to you got to have players, dude. The last time Texas won a title was what 2006, and who they have? Vince Young, one of the greatest games I ever seen. Right? Yep. You got to have those players. They ain't got those players. Spiller's a good uh, running back, but you know we'll see. Yeah, that's that's what my my college coach used to always say. He's like, the like, boys is not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joes. That's, that's right. All it is. And that's, yeah. That's, and you know what? I'm going to talk more about this on my get real segment, but real quick on Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Oklahoma gets slaughtered every playoff. They put them in every playoff because they win the Big 12. They get in there, and then they get whooped. The one exception that Oklahoma actually could play with everybody else was the year Baker Mayfield was there his last year when they beat Ohio State and were up by 30 points or something on Georgia and let that game slip away. Those right. are the, that is the only Oklahoma team of recent memory that really was any good. They could really challenge the top three schools like Clemson, Ohio State, and uh, Alabama, which are in a league of their own. But let, to real quick, it's all about money. SEC is getting two of the big the big programs from the Big Twelve. Yep. Uh, it's we'll talk more about that, Coach. Let's go into the second segment that really ties yeah, into this. Yeah, it was going to tie into everything. So we're going to be talking about how the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac twelve are going to be merging together into forming a super conference, basically. So I mean, this is this is all about money. It's all it is. It's all about money at this point in time. And like I said, the Big 12's hurting because they lost their two bell cows. And they didn't have any kind of revenue sharing agreement, I don't believe. Like, Texas had the Longhorn Network. They're completely separate from the rest of the Big 12 as far as that. So now that Texas is leaving, like, what's the Big 12 going to even do? How are they going to survive? Can they survive? Or are they going to Well, no. I, I think that's not even a point worth arguing. They can't survive. They've, they've lost Oklahoma. They've lost their big programs, right? They've already lost Nebraska and Colorado year, a couple of years ago. Right. It's been a while now, but you know what I mean. Yep. They lost uh, – now they're losing Oklahoma. They're losing Texas. They lost Texas A&M. It's over, dude. It's done. Like, yeah. that. you got Texas Tech, West Virginia – uh, TCU was Mountain West Conference not too long ago. Right. Uh, Kansas and Kansas, Kansas State. which is a basketball school, and uh, Iowa State. Iowa State, who is ranked really high this year yeah, with an all day three coaching good. staff, all Mount yeah. Union coaching staff right there. Actually, there's a guy from OU, I think, on there too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Iowa State has really turned it around. That coach has got to see the writing on the wall. The NFL wants him. If I'm him, I'm out of there before the Big 12 explodes. Damn. But can, can Michigan get him? That's what I'm talking uh, about later. He would I be a guy I think I would take a chance on. I, I Although Iowa State, he can compete in the Big 12. He would have to be able to recruit an even better player. Now, supposedly, he's got some of the top players in the country right now, so maybe he can recruit there. If you can recruit at Iowa State, you should be able to recruit anywhere. So he is a guy Michigan should look at. If they don't want to go to Hugh Freeze, although I'd love to see Hugh Freeze or Lane Kiffin, Michigan. Ain't going to happen. I mean, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> they already tried one renegade coach, and that didn't work out too good. So, <laughs> yeah, old so Rich Rod. I love Rich Rod. <laughs> I know you like Rich Rod. We're not going to try to relive those days. For yeah. Sure. So, but, really, yeah. it's all about money. But, you know, you got the ACC. I don't even know how this would work, right? Because you only play 
you know, 10 conference games, right? I think if if they get rid of all these other schools, they'll end up playing all conference games, right? Maybe, except maybe so. an SEC switch off. So you're right. going to have 12 games, right? Maybe uh, yep. you're going to have a conference of what, 40 teams? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how it works out. I mean, it's actually more. I mean, but can you imagine now you're going to have Clemson in there with the big, big 10? You would have probably probably have someone to play against because right now you're going to have Oregon in the Big Ten. You have Clemson in the the ACC, and there's no one else that can touch them. Like, yeah, it's Clemson and nobody in the ACC. No, and you know what? Like, Mac Brown was a good hire by North Carolina. They got one of the top quarterbacks in the nation, but they're not going to compete with Clemson. I hope they beat them, but they're not going to. So, yeah, the ACC is dead from a football perspective. It's all Clemson. They don't even play now. This year, Clemson plays Georgia first week of the year. If Clemson loses that game, they should be automatically eliminated from the playoff. I don't care if they beat Syracuse by 55 points. They should automatically be eliminated from the playoffs. I don't care what they do. I don't care if they win the ACC championship against maybe, what, Boston College? Like, no. (laughs) Yeah, they're done. Their season is literally should be over at the end of the year. The only reason I give Clemson a pass and I don't give Oklahoma a pass is because Clemson's proved it in the playoffs. They've won it all, right? right. They beat Ohio right. State in the Final Four. They've, They've played Alabama to the wire. they played epic games against Alabama. That's right. why Clemson has clout with me. Oklahoma has none. None. Yeah. No, I, no, I, no, I agree 100%. Oklahoma, they've gone to the playoffs. They got smacked every single time, every single year. And obviously Clemson's won a couple of national championships, so that's going to give them a little more leeway, even though their conference is struggling. Overall, I mean, it's just what it is. And, you know, them going against the Big Ten, I know, like, the Big Ten, besides Ohio State, I mean, I guess Wisconsin's kind of been there a little bit. Uh, but Penn State's dropped off and everything. I'm, I'm kind of interested if, if they can bounce back overall. Well, some people is. think they are. And what did I just tell you before we started talking, Sports Illustrated's top 25 uh, classes of uh, 2022, they have Penn State ranked number one. Yeah. You know, Franklin's a little bit of a renegade. He comes from the SEC. He was at Vanderbilt. They brought him in for a reason. They had a yeah. terrible year last year, and I'm going to say this right now. I don't have any proof, obviously. I think Penn State tanked, and their recruiting was down because he thought he was going to get that USC job. USC didn't fire that coach. He was like, oh, crap. Now I'm stuck at Penn State in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, which is a miserable place, I can tell you, from, from experience. That's where he's from. That's where he's from. From an experience, every coach is from Pennsylvania. Isn't like 10 of the coaches in the NFL from Pennsylvania? You know what else is crazy? I'm watching, you know, the Angels and Indians last night and found out uh, Joe Madden's from Hazleton, Pennsylvania, which is an hour down the road from me. But uh, I digress. Penn State, I think he is a good coach, right? I think they're the only team that could come back and challenge Ohio State. I think they're the only team – that has access to a fantastic state for talent. They have the closest, they're right next to New Jersey. And I don't know why they haven't been able to do better in New Jersey. Wisconsin gets all the best players from New Jersey. Don't tell me right. how, that just seems yep. to be how it works. They have a, they have an in there. They got mm-hmm. alumni working for them. They got something going on, but they get New Jersey players, right? They do. Yep. So, um, but Penn State, I think, is the team that could that – could, I don't think it's anytime soon, but I think they could challenge Ohio State in the near future. I mean, look how many NFL players Penn State's produced here, defensive linemen and stuff for your last couple of years. There's right. talent on that team. 
you know? No, 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 yeah, no, there's definitely talent. It'll, it'll be interesting to see, like, kind of what happens overall with them as far as that. I'm just kind of interested as far as, like, the overall impact of the conference, the conference merging together. Like, what's that going to do for, like, everybody else in the country? You know, the yeah. SEC – SEC will be fine. That's not a big deal as far as that, right? I just want to say, yeah, one more thing about Penn State real quick because I live in eastern Pennsylvania by Philly and stuff like that. I just want all the people know it, listen to this. No, I don't think Penn State's any good, just in case you misunderstood me for a second. (laughs) Let's keep it real here. It's still Ohio State. You know, I just have to start separate conversation, but no, Penn State can do do something. You know what I mean? So we'll go go with that. I got you. I got you. But, you know, like going back to like, Big Ten, AC, Pac-12, they're all merging together. SEC is going to be fine. What about all those other conferences? What about the American Conference or um, the Mountain West Conference, or the Big 12? Like, what are those teams going to do? You know, it's a money game. So, what are they? How are they going to? How are they going to survive? What are they going to do about that? The Big 12 teams, I think, will find a way to slip into the SEC or Big Ten. Some of them, anyway. Yeah. Like Texas Tech, I think is gonna is gonna find its way in the SEC, right? Uh, I think. There's academic standards to be in the Pac-12 and Big Ten. You know what I mean? An ACC. You know, right. you got to be – You got. my question is, what's Notre Dame going to do, right? What are they going to do? They can't stay independent because what's going to happen, and we talked about this a little bit, no one knows what's going to happen, how's this going to play out. Well, just to go over it real quickly, like we talked about before, right? You have – you're going to have a, two super conferences. You're going to have – all these teams only playing each other now, right? Right. All the money's going to be there. So you have these other Division One schools like the MAC and the Mountain West and these smaller schools that depend on the money of playing the big schools, right? Like right. Akron, my Akron Zips are going to Ohio State, take that butt kicking this year. Now right. that 50, 60 point slaughtering is going to get that, is going to pay for their entire athletic department for the entire year, right? Yep. Yep. So let's just break it down real quick. Those schools depend on that money to stay Division One. Yep. And they need That's that true. money to stay Division One. Division three schools and two schools, even though twos does give scholarships, ultimately they carry sports because it's good for their business, right? Right. Yep. The, the sport doesn't necessarily make them money on selling gear and tickets and stuff. I mean, it does a little, but you know what I mean. It doesn't pay for yeah, fancy bus rides and the meals and the you know, and the uniforms and all that stuff, but uh, it's business because it gets people to go to the school, you know, yep. like we talked about division three, a big portion of the students play some kind of sport, right? right. Yep. Exactly. You know, like Ohio exactly. wrestling, where I went, they added wrestling and they added, put a, put the band back in the stadium that had been there for 30 years and done stuff because it's good for business. Right. Right. Yep. And no, we cater to a, and they cater to a wealthy, you know, a lot of these small schools cater to a wealthy class. You know what I mean? Right. They can afford right. to pay 60K a year. Yeah. Um, but those schools are different. So now you're going to find out what schools like the MAC going to do, right? If they're not getting that money, there's really only one option because they can't afford to give free rides anymore. They can't afford to travel all over the country in planes or anything anymore. Right. They're either going to have to get rid of the sports or basically go on the D3, D2 model. Right. I don't know how they could survive in a current D1 format without the money from power five schools. Yeah, I don't know how that I don't know how that would work. Like, and how many scholarships do they normally have? Like, say just on a football team? What 70? Is it- I forget. So I forget what it is. I don't think it's that many. Isn't it 50? I'm might not be, really it sure. Might, it might be 50. Yeah, I was I was I was thinking like it was mid-50s, or I don't know why I thought 70, but 
either way, I mean, they usually have like 100 plus man rosters, right? So they they figure out ways to divvy those scholarships up and give them out to everybody, whether it's partial or full or whatever. It's not four year scholarships, for sure. One year renewable scholarships out there. But yeah, they wouldn't be able to do that because there's no guarantee that the program is going to be funded. There's just, there's no way that they can go about that. At least from, from what we've discussed earlier, I don't see a way that they can go about it. Yeah, I don't see. I mean, I think they'd have to almost go to like a Division two, II, Division three model. Now, the thing about schools like the MAC is they're all in Ohio, right? One but right. in Michigan, they're all in Ohio and Michigan and Buffalo. They're they're almost set up like the conferences we played in. We we're really regional, and you yep. took two, maybe one or two far road trips. You know what I mean? Right. Like my school right. will go for an opening game in Texas or Illinois or something like that, and then you pretty much play your conference, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's kind of how your school was. So, like, yep. you know, what do these schools like Mountain West, what do the uh, military academies do? They got right. the money, right? They have the money because everybody goes there for free anyway. But right. who do they play? Who do they play? Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I, it, I don't everything's going to change. Like, I don't know what the – I don't know who Air Force, Navy, and West Point would play because they're still all uh, – they're all scholarship, Right. And obviously mm-hmm. football is not number one for these people, but for most of them, you would think, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, There's no, still definitely. D1 athletes on scholarships. So uh, I don't know what they would do. Uh, what does Cincinnati do? Top program in the right, country. That's, that's what I was wondering. I was talking to someone like, they, I'm like, they need to have already tried to break into the ACC or something. Not even, they weren't going to get into Big Ten. Big Ten wasn't let them in. or whatever. Ohio State don't that. want that though. Ohio right. State wants to own the state of Ohio. They will do anything in their power to keep Cincinnati out of a power conference. You yeah, better believe that. Yeah, I mean, you, they would never say to, that. But I mean, the Americans is not going to cut it for UC. Maybe it will for basketball, but for football, they got to get in. ACC is the only way they can get in. And I don't know if they can. I mean, Louisville got in, you know, but Louisville's obviously by themselves in the state of Kentucky besides UK. You know, so I mean, it made sense for for them to get in that in, into. See, you bring up a there. school. You bring up a school like you know, like you brought up Kansas and basketball. Kansas basketball is historic, big money, right? right? Big Ten right. and SEC should want that school, right? Yeah. They're going to be a pushover in football. I'd love to play them opening week, and then you get their basketball programs money, right? Right. So there's there's going to be homes for some of these Big Twelve schools. Uh, Iowa State's going to end up in the Big Ten because, you know, Iowa wants them in there. That's a natural rivalry. They've been trying to make it with Nebraska. I get it. But now Nebraska's got Colorado again. So, actually, some of these rivalries that people are so afraid of and miss will actually start to come back together as long as you're in the one of the two super conferences, which I think one day is all going to be one league, and it's going to be like the NFL. And players are going to make all this money and they're going to stay four years because they're going to make more. You're going to make more money as a quarterback at Texas than you are at the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. Which kind of that takes us into kind of our next topic. It's not really the next topic. We're going to make the next topic. Players being able to earn money off their likeness, you know, as far as that now. I mean, that's that's something that's that's real. And it got signed and NCAA allowed it. And because it was going to happen, every state was doing it regardless. So I think this making money is going to bring back some of the traditional powers that have crazy money. I think a Notre Dame, right. And the alumni and the money that program has, right. That, you know, I mean, obviously there's rules and you can't be on the alumni board, but whatever people's going to get paid. What Alabama's Nick Saban said, Alabama's quarterback was a millionaire. What? 10 minutes after the rule passed at midnight. Right. So, 
I think traditional power, super rich schools, like I think this benefits schools like Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame. Like these are big, big, big money schools. Just ain't the SEC. Now, I would love to look up some numbers and facts and stats and stuff like that that I don't have on me. And no one probably does because a lot of them, some of them are private institutions. The public ones should still can't. You know what I mean? They hide money and all that stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, the big power schools with the rich alumni should be back on top. And that means Notre Dame, in my opinion, even though I hate to say it, they should be able to pay for anybody they want. They should. And, you know, that's people don't want it to be that way. But I mean, it's 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 a business. It's officially a business. You want to know? I just thought of this. You know what it's going to be like? Not to interrupt you. Sorry about that. But uh, it's going to be like Major League Baseball. The haves and have-nots. No salary cap, no nothing. It's going to be like baseball. Yeah, like I said last week, 14 individual baseball players have a larger salary than the Pittsburgh Pirates' whole payroll. In yep. Major League. So, yeah, no, you're, it's probably true. It's probably true. So, um, I don't know. This is all speculation, but this is stuff we think we you can see it heading in this direction. And now it's heading there rapidly. So all this stuff we're talking about, I won't be surprised if it happens. It's real legitimate possibilities in my mind. Yeah, oh yeah, no, for sure. I, I think I can definitely see it. It's definitely direction it's going. And like I say, it, it will be a haves and have not type game. It's because the they just the haves will have the money. And that's that's how it's gonna be. And if you're left out of there. Yeah, if you're left out of these power conferences, I don't know what you're going to do. Well, and players, you know, a lot of times they go to these schools, like some of them go just to play to play, but others go because they have aspirations of getting to the league. And getting the league, you have to be seen. To be seen, you have to be in one of these power conferences on these big teams to be able to get in that spotlight and be able to go and make the appropriate appearance you make, get as high a draft, you know, get be drafted as high as possible as far as doing that. So, yeah, I mean, these, these kids have goals and – the schools that have money are going to, they're going to be king, I'm sure. So I think in the near future, if you're the quarterback of Ohio State, you're the quarterback of Texas, you're quarterback of Alabama, you're quarterback of Notre Dame, hell, you're going to, you're going to make more money in four years there than you may make your whole NFL career. Maybe you are that good and you're the top pick and you get that. But remember how they put the rookie money. Bradford got the last big rookie contract, 70-something million. You know, I mean, years ago right. now and the following year with the new rules, Cam Newton got like 30 the following year. Right. And, and Cam Newton reserves 70 million way more than Bradford did. Right. Yes, so think about it now. So the rookie contracts are capped in the NFL. This is going to ricochet to the NFL. What does the NFL do now? If these guys can make more money in college, we're saying speculative, but I mean, we know it can go that direction really quickly. Right. They stay four years now. Right. But Which I think, because I think that's good for league, college football. League minimum in the NFL, let's say, what was it, 250000 a year? Something like that. Yeah. It's somewhere around there. So, you know, especially top-tier players, you know, from their likeness, from their from endorsements, can definitely make more than that, for sure. Yeah, we're talking top-tier players, yeah. Yeah, we're, ta- yeah. we're talking top-tier players as far as doing that. But still, even those middle-tier players can get endorsements out there. And then – You're and an then, Ohio State or Texas player or whatever. Here's another interesting thing. If you're a top player and you are just make a ton of money, maybe in four years on do what is it? Texas A&M's offering 10,000 per interview or something like that. That one website, something crazy. Right. 
say you make millions of dollars in your four years because you're a top, top player. You don't even have to play NFL football, man. You can go sell cars, chill on the beach. You're set if you're smart with your money. It's the whole, I'm telling you, this whole landscape's going to change. You could be the number one person, but if you made millions in college and you don't want to put your body through that anymore, now a lot of us competitors, people like me and you would still go play because that's just how we are, and that's how a lot of people get to those points. Right. We're just saying you wouldn't even have to go to the NFL. Well, think about guys like top guys like Vince Young or Johnny Manziel when he's in college. Oh, think man. how much money that they brought their schools in. Yeah, like, quarterback in Texas. Yeah, and they everything's taken care of for them. I mean, I'd like to know how much Vince Young was getting paid back then anyway, but you, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, true. I'm sure it's a nice little chunk of change is on your table. Yeah, you know? yeah. But now, you know, it's just – it's crazy. So, we'll see what happens. So And then and then there's no – because this all happened so suddenly, how do you govern it? Like, how do you know that the alumni aren't ciphering money through, let's just say, Terrell's Pizza to give right. them – you know, it's just, it's going to be, you oh, know, yeah. the NCAA, if I'm the NCAA, I don't even try to fight it. I don't even try to fight it because you're getting kicked really out anyway. They're going right. to form their own thing and the NCAA is going to be done. So there's no reason for them to fight it. I just try to hang on to my job and draw a salary as long as I could at this point. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, you see the, the super conferences are already starting. Now, I was wondering how long it was going to take before it happened. You know, pretty much the conferences can run themselves and get their own TV deals. They can make their own money. They don't need the NCAA. Is no. just there as a governing no. body, but the governing body just siphoning money away, right? So. It's 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 almost like a middleman now. You don't need it no more. Let the athletic athletic directors can hire business make business uh consultants and agents to negotiate deals for them now. They don't need that fat conglomerate bureaucratic NCAA any longer. All they need is a couple business agents to go cut some TV deals. Man, that's it. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. For sure. All right, better keep it moving because, unfortunately, on this podcast, I'm running out of time. So, <laughs> yeah, we are. We're pushing uh, it, so we might have to cut something out. But, you know, let's just keep going right now. What do you got? Uh, let's go ahead and let's go. I guess you want to talk about top 25 and go to rapid fire. All right. Yep. Top 25 or rapid fire. All right. I'm going to give you the rapid fire, right? All right. Rapid fire. Here we going. go. Let's so go. this is the MLB edition. I know we did a lot of college. We're going to do some more college. we got some more college stuff for you on our next one. We didn't get to because these are good subjects and we think they're important for the future of college football. We love so much. So yeah. with the baseball, we're going to go baseball because me and you balled a little bit back in the day. All yes, right. Sir. Who was your favorite player growing up? Hands down, Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yep. <laughs> No doubt. I mean, everything about his game, wearing his hat backwards, which I got yelled at for. I remember Coach yelled at me in summer league, and we had we had words about it because he said I was disrespecting he the game. He started that whole thing. I know. He said I was disrespecting the game. I'm like, I'm not wearing it backwards out on the field. I'm in the dugout hanging out. When I go on the field, I turn it forward, and I play. But he's like, well, you're disrespecting the game. You just need to respect the game and worry how forward it all. So I'm like, nah, I don't know who you are, man. You need to keep moving. Like, we're out here having fun. That's exactly what Junior's doing. He's out there having fun, and there's nothing wrong with it. Plus, he has the sweetest swing still in the history of the sport. His his swing is picture perfect, in my in my opinion. So, I don't know. What about you? Who are you going after? Well, me, I remember when I was a kid, uh, it was all about the Oakland A's, man. Bash Brothers, I'm going McGuire and Canseco all the way. Dave Stewart, the whole team. I mean, if I had to pick one, probably Maguire just because his career lasted longer and, you know, yeah. he's still rocking with the Cardinals, but Jose Canseco was a special athlete, man. People, uh, people 
because of the other stuff after baseball. Don't give right. him the credit. You know, in Cleveland, he's famous for the ball bouncing off his head in the outfield. You know what I mean? Yeah. But oh, yeah. he was a awesome player to watch, man. I mean, so definitely for me, Conseco, McGuire, the Bash Brothers, yeah. those ace teams. Every youth team when I was young was named the A's, right? Yeah, So right. I, I, I will say, like I said, Kingdom Jr. was my guy. But other players I did enjoy watching, Frank Thomas, love watching him. I liked Robin Ventura. I watched the White Sox back in the day, too, so I liked those two guys. And I liked uh, Gary Sheffield. Just yeah. His bat, his bat speed was absolutely crazy. And so, I'm, I'm going to shout out my team, Cleveland Indians, too, because in the 90s, they were must-watch baseball. Albert yeah. Bell, Carlos Baerga, Omar Visco has got this. Albert Bell, flexible people. Yeah, people. Yeah, there it is, yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, – you know, uh, they just – it was a great team. Kenny Lofton, everybody loved Kenny Lofton. Uh, Eddie Murray spent some time there at the end of his career. Uh, David Justice, when he was balling out. Uh, yep. And that lineup, Sandy Alomar Jr., they were all batting 300 from first to, first to ninth. I can't believe they didn't win a World Series, but that's another subject. That's another right. story. That's, that's Cleveland sports. That's Cleveland Yeah, sports. that's the no story sports. of Cleveland sports, right? Except yeah, for LeBron. So, all right, what we got now? We What's got – don't even – we're not now. talking LeBron. I'm not uh, – no, don't even get me started. All right, player you like to watch now. Who do you like to watch now in the MLB? Ah, uh, now? I mean, when he plays, Mike Trout. Mike Trout's yeah. special, dude. But Mike Trout is actually built like a running back. If you ever see him, if you saw him in person, that dude's big dude, thick dude, fast. He can do it all on the field. Mike Trout, he's definitely one of my favorite players to watch uh, out there in the league. Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. Uh, oh, and, and I, I, mean, I, I also like I like watching the young players, like Fernando Tatis Jr. I was just going to say him was – yeah. Yeah, he's going to be special. Vlad Guerrero Jr., he swings like his like his dad. I don't know if he wears batting gloves or not, but he shouldn't because they swing at everything. Vlad Guerrero Sr. did not see ball he didn't like, and he always made contact. He always, like, was swinging for defenses. I don't know how he did that. He looked, I thought he was up there standing with the tree in his hands, and he just swing as hard as he could, no gloves on, and just trying to go yard. That's all he was trying to do. So yeah, I, I do think his his son's gonna be solid for sure. And, yeah, uh, he. I think I think they're part of the exciting kind of youth movement as far as that. You know, I like the bat flips. I like the personalities being shown. I know baseball, you know, purist originalists don't like kind of a lot of the. The, the show budding a little bit, but I'm on board with it. I think it's great for the game. It's great to get the younger crowd into it. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it is, man. And I, I mean, currently right now, who do I like to watch? Who's must watch television? Oh, and Tommy of the uh, Angels, right? I mean, he's doing stuff only Babe Ruth's done, pitching and hitting like he does. Uh, right. And then I'm going to go with the hometown guy. I love watching Jose Ramirez. He's been the MVP voting the last couple of years. I think he's been screwed a couple times. I think he could have easily have been American League MVP. Love watching Jose Ramirez. You know what I like about him? He's probably like, I don't know how tall he is. He don't even look like an athlete. Like, you no. know, right? No, he, he looks like, yeah, young. short and kind of stubby, right? Like, if you walk by him on the street, you never thought he was an American League possible MVP. Like, you right. walk by Judge or Owen Tani or something, you're like, that's a ball player. You walk right. by Jose Ramirez, man. I wouldn't even – I'd walk right by him, right? If I, I mean, I know what he looks That's like, true. but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you so, know what he's a player. No, I, I, I love that that guy, dude, he plays hard. Uh, I love him. So, yeah. all right, for the next one. Uh, all right. Are the Reds making the playoffs this year? I'm yeah. not even going to say Indians. 100% Red Legs going to playoffs. 
They've been hot. They've been hitting all year. They just have to get the relief pitching in place. They get the relief pitching to be consistent. If they do that, they're dangerous. I, I think they're going to get in. I didn't think so a couple of weeks ago, but I think they're going to do it now. I mean, I think they got the pieces. I'm with you on the Reds. Indians have like a 0.1% chance. They're done. They're 500. But uh, we'll see how they do next year as the Guardians. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Otani, do you want me? Huh? Go ahead. Should, should Atani, should he, should he win the Cy Young or MVP? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I, I, mean, I don't think so because uh, I was looking at some of the stuff. Oh, who was it? I forget right now. I'm taking a look. It's special what he's doing, but he's not putting up like MVP type numbers. He's not putting up Cy Young numbers. He is hitting home runs. He is a good draw. He is exciting. He, I think he should be a fan favorite. The fact that he's a pitcher and he's not like just a janky pitcher. He's a good pitcher that can actually hit. He's a top level hitter. I think that's great for the game. I don't see how, I don't understand how more pitchers can't do that when they get to major leagues. It's like, Usually, if you can pitch, growing up, you're the best player in your team. You play shortstop, go, everything else. You can hit. It's like these guys don't even try to hit anymore. It's like, I mean, you guys look, look embarrassing up there hitting the ball. Like, I don't get that, but I appreciate him being able to do that, being able to do both well, and I think it's awesome. Oh, I, have a, I think it's awesome, too, and I agree with you. You know, someone who liked to hit and the Indians wouldn't let him hit, he spent his whole career in the American League with CC Sabathia, right? Yeah. Uh when he was with the Indians and Yankees, he was a guy you'd actually want to hit. They didn't have him yet, but the boy could hit. When he was with right. Milwaukee, therefore, when the Indians traded him for that Laporta guy who turned out to be a bust, uh, yeah, I mean, that dude could hit. So he was one of the guys who kind of bucked the trend. You just didn't get to see it because he spent his whole career in the American League. But what Owen Ty's doing, it's amazing. So, yep. yeah, no, I, I, uh, I MVP's locked up, not going to win the Cy Young. It's probably going to be uh, – I'm looking at some of these Kershaw and stuff, throwing some yeah. – Throwing some stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's see here. Do you want machines replaced um, calling balls a strike for umpires? No. No. I don't like it. I like the human element. I like the human aspect. I like the fact that some umpires have tighter strike zones. Some umpires expand their drug strike zone. It's more unique to the umpire. The players have to adjust to that. I like it. Keep it as is. I, I think so, too. And I – I. Uh, Maybe we're old now, you know, because this generation grows up to rely on everything, a lot more stuff than we did electronically, computer-wise, right, right to do right. stuff for you, you know. So uh, I'm with you. I like the umpire. I like the game how it is. It would be weird with no umpire back there and a machine calling balls and strikes. But, you know, it's a serious conversation, and they think the machines, if they think they're 100% and – Obviously, there's a lot of money involved. So when an umpire makes a bad call and people are losing money because, you know, a lot of sports is all about the gambling that we just don't – we don't talk about it. But we all know it's the truth, right? right? They can no longer say, you know, that the machine – you know, but what if a machine made a wrong call in a big game? Oh, yeah, <laughs> what, would, what would happen then, right? Is there a review for that? I don't know. That's yeah. a subject for another day. But, okay, I'm with Terrible. you now. No. And then one yeah. last thing for you, Miggy hits 500 home runs. Wait, hey, big up to him. I think in our in our era, one of the best hitters in our era. Obviously, he's like he's he's not in the shape he was before, and you know, he's getting old and everything. But you know, he's the first person since um, Ted Williams winning triple crown. So yeah. 
Miggy's one of the best hitters out there. He for a couple of years he could have been the best hitter. And I'll tell you what, uh probably one of the best hitters with two strikes I've ever seen. Like that dude was gonna make contact, man. Just just dangerous. I mean, obviously he's in the Indians division. I've seen him a lot. I lived in Detroit for two years, went to a bunch of games when I lived there. Uh right. just the guy can play, right? So, you know, congratulations to him. Well deserved. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, all right, now we move on to our segment. Get real with Dane. Dane, what do you got for us? Oh man, you know what? I'm going to take a break from bashing the Cavs for one important thing because this is the college edition. Paul Feinbaum, why is he called on to talk about college football? What reality is ESPN and some of these networks living in that they call him in to talk about all of college football? There's never been a more biased analyst ever, ever in the history of sporting announcing. Uh, No one's more biased to the SEC than him. The dude probably lives in Saban's basement, and Saban probably gets on the phone right now, you know, because he don't use Twitter or anything, and Saban probably calls from his uh, cord phone and with Feinbaum in the basement and go, hey, they're talking good about Ohio State again. You want to get on ESPN real quick and tell them why Ohio State sucks, and he gets on ESPN, gets on Stephen A. You know what? Quit talking to him. Get real. Get somebody who's not biased to talk about college football, right? Right. Quit bringing him on to talk about other teams, right? He he hates Ohio State and the Big Ten so much just because they're a bigger conference. They get better ratings, right? Uh, more money involved, and he yep. can't handle it. So he has to go on TV, and ESPN gives him that platform to go bash the Big Ten, particularly Ohio State. He was on the other day talking about how Oklahoma is better than Ohio State. Come on, man. Get out of here. Oklahoma ain't better than Ohio State. Look at this AP top 25 poll. They got Oklahoma number two. Why is Oklahoma number two? I don't Come know. Come on. Why? It, Get it's, real. It's, so that's two things. Paul Feinbaum. Yeah. Paul Feinbaum's got to go. He's got to go. Keep him on the SEC network. Keep him in the South where someone would actually want to listen to his garbage. Right? And then Oklahoma number two is a travesty. I don't know if they're trying to trick people into betting on them, you know, or what, but Tell me one thing Oklahoma's done to college football playoffs other than get slaughtered every year, except the one year Baker had a good first half. And I love Baker, but let's face it, they still got slaughtered by Georgia in the second half. It's Oklahoma. It's Big 12. They're irrelevant. They're terrible. And I'm tired of them getting a team in the college football playoffs. Let's get real. Let's get some real teams in there this year. That's what I got today. That's good. I like it. I like it straight to the point. I agree with you. 100% both counts. As far as that, now I was—I've been thinking for the last or one of the final segments of Mess with Money Rail. I really don't have anything good for Mess with Money Rail, but I do want to give a shout out to my son, Caden. He, um, but he had this year he had a second annual lemonade stand. So last year he started lemonade stand for school. Uh, well, it wasn't really for a school, but he ultimately was going to get school supplies. He's like, hey, mom, dad, like. Like, you know, will we be able to raise money for kids that are less fortunate that might not be able to afford school supplies or whatever? It's like, yeah, I mean, we, I'm sure we could do something if that's something you want to do. He's like, I want to do like a lemonade stand. So, okay, yeah, we'll help you do that. So we did it last year. You know, we raised like $1,050 or whatever. So did that, wrote a check or gave the, the money, all the proceeds to his elementary school. And then they they uh, used it appropriately. And, you know, it was a good thing and everything. So we didn't say anything about this year until we were in Nashville. 
like, you know, two weeks ago. And he's like, hey, can I eliminate standing in this year? And I want to kind of see if I can, we can raise some money again. So we're like, yeah, sure, why not? So went ahead, helped him, you know, put his eliminate standing together, got information out on Facebook and everything. The community came together, um, you know, lots. The fire department came by, police department, not police department, but fire department, ambulance came by, the transportation department came by for Fairfield Township and everything. And overall, for the whole weekend, uh, doing it raised uh, right around $3,200. So this morning we went wow. and, and delivered the check to the principal of the school. And she's like, you know, we're going to put this to good use, something that you're going to be proud of, something that you're going to enjoy, and it's going to be a good thing. So not really messing with your money too much, but, you know, trying to do something to help people that were less fortunate. And, you know, it was his idea to do it. We just want to try to support him best way we could to have it happen. And we're happy that it was successful. Our goal was really just a double what we did last year, but we tripled it. So that, that's even better. And if he wants to do it again next year, we'll do what we can to, to help him out and, you know, be there to support him as much as possible. So proud of that. You know, like I said, it's not really messing with your money, but it's a pretty cool situation. I thought I'll get, I'll go ahead and, and pub it up a little bit for him on, on this show because, you know, a lot of kids don't think that way. And he was thinking about other people and want to help him out and, you know, be there to support him as much as possible. So I thought it was pretty cool of him to want to do that. Yeah, very proud of that. Uh, that's awesome. And uh, stories like that need to get more pub instead of the uh, alternative stories. So oh, yeah. that's yeah, awesome. That's what, that's what I was glad about. Like, there's so many, like, stories back and forth, people arguing in the community and everything. Just something where it seemed like, hey, everybody got time. Everybody was supporting it. You know, superintendent came out and took pictures with them. And, and you know, people from, you know, said from the community, all over the community did. And I thought it was really cool that everybody could do that and come together even times where there is a lot of arguing back and forth and people aren't exactly seeing eye to eye on many things. So that was definitely cool and um, proud of him for it. That's one of the times you say you can be a proud parent. It's pretty cool. That's right. Good for him, so, man. Nice job. So other than that, man, and we roll through things quick. I know um, I need to go pick up these kids from, from the sitter. Dane, start thinking about your goat yoga. I can't wait to hear about that. It's coming up soon. And, yeah, I'm um, heading to the beach here, you know, here in a day or two here. Go chill in Dewey Beach, Delaware. I know that's a plug, but you're missing out if you've never been there. Uh, yeah, well, I'll try it out sometime. And like I said, man, I have fun. Uh, appreciate it. And we'll do this again next week, 100%. That's right. Go Bucks. Ah, I'll see you. <laughs> Later, man. Later. All right, everybody, this is our final segment today. It's called Relax and Take Notes. And today, I just want to talk about know who your real friends are. So I read an article today talking about how a bridesmaid was going to potentially sue the bride because uh, ultimately the bridesmaid was going to be in a, a wedding where she had to purchase um, three different dresses, had three different outfits for a three-day wedding, had the three different hairstyles for it, and whatnot, and um, she started like a couple weeks before the wedding. She started um, losing her hair due to health due to health reasons. So she talked to the bride about it, and the bride said, "You know, okay, that's fine. We'll figure something out or whatever." But then ultimately, the bride asked her to not be in the wedding because she didn't give the bridesmaid didn't give the bride enough time to figure out a way to rectify the issue or find a solution to the problem. And so, because her haircut would not be right for the wedding. Um, she's gonna kick her out of the, the bridesmaid. After, after the bridesmaid already spent 
well over $700 to, um, to um, have dresses and everything appropriate for the wedding. So ultimately the bridesmaid's gonna, you know, try talking with the bride about the money she has spent, try to get money back or whatever. The bride and the fiance didn't respond with anything. And so the bridesmaid's taking her to court. <laughs> so, you know, ultimately it's, it's kind of sad that that's what has to happen. But I mean, looking back on it, like, is that person really a true friend of yours in the first place? As far as the bride uh, doing that, like I couldn't imagine any of my friends doing that to me if it was something like that. I know it's different for men and women, but you know, we're friends first. So, you know, they could be able to barely get down the aisle, but if they can get there and be there to support me on, on the, you know, the biggest day of my life, then they would be there for me. And I know that for a fact, you know, but I just don't understand it. It's interesting. Like I said, I know who my real friends are. You know, I know they're there through everything that's needed um, in my life whether good or bad, I know they'll be there one way or another. Um, you would think that would be like that for everybody, but obviously it's not. So just know who your real friends are. Value the people that are close to you. Uh, if you don't know, you have to find out the hard way. You know, I feel bad for you, but ultimately you find out when it's you know early enough. It's probably best for you uh, going forward in life. So uh, just remember that. Keep your friends close. Um, keep the real ones as close as possible. And um, hope you find that happiness with that, with that tight-knit group. Because not everybody's going to be your real friend, and um, people find that over find that out over the years. So uh, that's all I got. Dan and I had a great time on the show today, um, but like I said, we look forward to the next episode. Hopefully, you do too. Uh, tune in, like I said, listen to us. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter at franchise eleven twenty two. You'll find Dana at D DeMayo on Twitter. Like I said, we'll be out there on Instagram at Terrell Dwayne eleven. Uh, we'll, we'll throw some other things on social media, like on Facebook, uh, get things together for YouTube as well under my YouTube channel. So, um, that's coming, but, um, that's, uh, at Terrell Dwayne, but, um, like I said, it's on the way. We hope you enjoyed the show. We definitely did. We look forward to the next episode. We hope you do too. So until then have a good one. See ya.